Welcome again to the Radio Bible Chorus. We're studying prophecies in the Old Testament and how they were fulfilled literally. We cite these as evidence that the Bible must be inspired by God, for the men of old could not have known these precise things which happened and to have spoken about them with such accuracy. For example, David wrote in Psalm 16, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. David is speaking as a man who knew God, who had eternal life through faith, and here he is speaking of himself, that although he was certain to die, yet God would not abandon him there in that grave, that there would be a resurrection someday, and that he would live with God forever. Now, if God could make a promise like this to David, how much more to David's son, the Holy One, the Anointed One, called the Christ? Well, that's exactly the case, because we find Peter quoting this very passage and applying it to Jesus Christ. That's in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, Peter continues, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. While the apostles rested on the fact that the Old Testament scriptures had foretold the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They saw the fulfillment of those scriptures, and with confidence they could believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They believed in the resurrection. Now, here we must pause. For the greatest testimony to the truth of Christianity is the resurrected Christ. Just as no other religion has a leader, whose appearance was predicted. So no other religion can produce a resurrected leader. The resurrection is not only astonishing, it is absolutely convincing. Think of it. All the noted religious leaders of ages past are dead. They have disciples today, however, and those disciples quote their words, they read from their books, and they tell of their deeds. But those religious leaders are dead. Jesus also was put to death, as the scriptures foretold. But God raised him from the dead. 
His life and death were fulfillment of scores of prophecies. Peter said the resurrection was necessary so that Christ could someday return to rule on David's throne. Christ could not have remained in the grave. The resurrection was necessary, or God's other promises to David about his son ruling on his throne in Jerusalem could not be fulfilled. So not only did God want to raise Jesus Christ as a testimony of the fact that he is the Son of God, but that he is the coming ruler who will someday wear a crown on his head on David's throne and all the world will come and bow before him. A dead Christ could not rule the nations as the Old Testament predicts that he will. Only a living Christ could sit on that throne in Jerusalem to bring peace and justice to the earth. A resurrection was necessary, and it was foretold, and it happened. In dealing with the authority of the Bible, which we've been discussing now for several months, we need to say that a resurrected person is a distinct advantage. His resurrected body removed all doubt about his deity. He is said to be the wisdom of God and the power of God. This is the Jesus of whom we read in the Bible. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Even Jesus' disciples did not believe all that he told them, just as people today hesitate to accept what he said about the scriptures, about Abraham, Noah, Jonah, and the creation story. But after his resurrection, those doubters who deserted him at his trial became transformed zealots with no fear of death, and they went out and preached the gospel to all nations. The fulfilled scriptures is what did it for them, and the resurrection of the dead Jesus sealed it. Jesus arose and appeared to many as a living victor. Any person who can accomplish that deserves to be taken seriously. All that Jesus had earlier taught suddenly became the absolute and unquestionable truth of God, and he himself was seen as the full expression of God. In the first century, no one else spoke for God. Jesus was God's spokesman. Who would have dared approach a resurrected person and question some of his pre-death teachings, especially since he predicted his own death and resurrection, including the three days in the grave? And that, too, was a fulfillment of prophecy. For as Jonah, Jesus said, was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was resurrected after that. His victorious resurrection affirmed that God had indeed spoken through the prophets. I want to emphasize to our listeners today how important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. There are some people who don't believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead. They categorize this teaching as a fable 
or as something perpetuated by the apostles in order to get people to follow the teachings of Jesus. That could hardly be the case. If the apostles had not seen Jesus after his resurrection, it's not likely that they would have been willing to be persecuted and die for a dead Christ. When Paul the Apostle went out preaching on his first missionary journey, he went to Pisidia, to the city of Antioch. And there he went into the synagogue, and he focused on the resurrection. He said, We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Remember, he's talking to Jews in the synagogue, and they knew the psalms. And no one objected and complained that he was not interpreting it properly. And then Paul added, The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And here he quotes from Isaiah chapter 55. And then Paul continues with a third testimony about the resurrection, and he says, So it is stated elsewhere, You will not let your Holy One see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, of course the resurrected Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. So in this brief sermon in the synagogue in Antioch, which is in the present country of Turkey, Paul the Apostle quotes from three Old Testament passages, Psalm 2-7, Isaiah 5-55-3, and Psalm 16-10. Now David wrote 1,000 years before Christ and wrote these two psalms about the resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah prophesied more than 700 years before the Son of God arose from the grave, and yet he talked about the sure mercies of David. God had made a promise to David that one of his sons, one of his descendants, would sit on his throne and rule over an everlasting kingdom. And it's those mercies to which he refers as the sure mercies of David. God had to raise the son of David from the dead. The entire life of Jesus was the subject of prophetic utterance. Moses said a prophet would come and he would enter this world as the seed of the woman. And Isaiah said that the woman would be a virgin. And Micah told the place of the birth, Bethlehem Ephrata. It was also prophesied that he would be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And God in former days breathed into Isaiah the prophet, and he wrote in chapter 53 that this Messiah would be wounded for our transgressions, and that our iniquities would be laid on him. 
the Holy Spirit spoke to Isaiah to write that it was God who bruised him, who put him to grief and made his soul an offering for sin. It was God's expression of love for us. God sacrificed his own son on the cross. It was his plan to save sinners. The soul that sins must die. Someone had to die for sin. You and I can't do that because we lose our life in the process. But God in his mercy sent his own son, a perfect man, a sinless man, the divine person, to bear our sins and die in our place. That's what Isaiah 53 is about. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid on him all of our iniquities. Now, since God put our sins upon him, it can be said and has been said that he died for all and that he is the satisfaction for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The message of the gospel is this. Sin has been paid for. God provided it through Jesus Christ. It's good news, not that Christ died, but that Christ died for our sins. Proclaim it in the mountains. Tell it in the valleys. This is the best news that has ever come to this world. Men can come to God through faith by the grace of God. We thank you for listening today. Join us here tomorrow for more about prophecy and the accuracy of the Bible. We welcome your comments about these broadcasts. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.